Hey, Hope family, welcome to another Hope Daily. Last week we had Election Day, and I said the Sunday prior that I'm grateful that we don't have to buy into the stakes the world tells us are at play every two to four years. First of all, I think they're objectively false. Almost my entire life, the stakes have never been higher. There has been plenty of talk about the decline of our nation and the soul of our democracy, fear-mongering over World War III and who we're letting into the country and what they'll do if we keep letting it happen. And even if all of this were as stark as the political commercials make it appear, we don't have to give in to the hysteria. We, as followers of the King of Kings, aren't dependent on the systems of this world for our safety or our protection or our ultimate victory. Tony Evans once said that Jesus didn't come to take sides, he came to take over. And he didn't do that through physical force or political power, but instead he gained victory through suffering and has called us to do the same. And this is an uncomfortable thing to say and to think about. It goes against everything in our human nature. And it's not the best advertisement for Christianity. But as Dietrich Bonhoeffer famously said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. I think so much of the rhetoric around politics is anti-Christ in many ways. It continually dehumanizes, it tears down rather than builds up, and I think it's rooted in a fear of suffering, or at least it preys on that fear in us. This is explicitly contradicted by Peter's second theme in his first epistle. On Friday, we looked at Peter's understanding of Gentiles being included into the family of God and what that means for us. Today, I want to look at a few different places where Peter talks about suffering and what that means for us. Peter begins his instruction to suffer with household slaves. Let's take a look at 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 18. Household slaves, submit to your masters with all reverence, not only to the good and gentle ones, but also to the cruel, for it brings favor if, because of consciousness of God, someone endures grief from suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if when you do wrong and are beaten, you endure it? But when you do what is good and suffer, if you endure it, this brings favor with God. For you were called to this, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He did not commit sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that having died to his sins, we might live for righteousness." By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but you have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Let's start by acknowledging that many of the passages that refer to slavery have at one point in our nation's history been used to justify the heinous sin of human slavery. This podcast isn't the place to explain all the reasons why I don't think that's what Peter was doing, but notice that isn't what Peter is doing. He is instructing household slaves to endure suffering, but is acknowledging that it is unjust. It is the injustice of it when you do what is good and suffer. This brings favor to God. That's the whole point. Peter is acknowledging that there is not justice in the suffering. Lest we dismiss ourselves from these instructions, I think it would be foolish of us to write this off or to think it only applies to household slaves. Peter implores them to look at the example of Jesus and to follow in his steps. If it's not already obvious, this is something we all should do, and Peter, I think, will make that clear as he continues on in his letter. Like in chapter 3, 
picking up in verse 13, where he is addressing the general audience. Who then will harm you if you are devoted to what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear or be intimidated, but in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that when you are accused, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good if it is if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. It is better to suffer for doing what is good. This is what happened to Christ, and so why should we expect to be beyond that? Then Peter says this, Towards the end of the letter, chapter 4, starting in verse 12, Dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you, as if something unusual were happening to you. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may also rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. If you are ridiculed for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the Spirit of glory and of God rest on you. Let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in having that name. For the time has come for judgment to begin with God's household, and if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who disobey the gospel of God? And if a righteous person is saved with difficulty, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust themselves to a faithful creator while doing what is good. We should not be surprised when we face suffering for doing what is good. And let me also say that I think it's simply a matter of fact that when we compare what is happening in America to what's happening across the world, American Christians are not suffering. Not in any meaningful way. But that doesn't mean that suffering isn't coming at some point, and it doesn't mean that we should band together and get in line with political leaders who promise to protect us. It means that we should heed the call that Peter made earlier in this letter, a call to be holy, a call to put away slander, envy, malice, and all other kinds of evil. Instead, we should be a people who are looking out for our neighbor, loving our enemies, and keeping ourselves busy living as Christ lived. This doesn't guarantee a peaceful or safe life, but Peter seems to think that that's a good thing. He seems to think that if we suffer for doing what is right, then we partner with Christ in his sufferings. We should expect this. We should welcome this. We shouldn't partner with principalities and powers of this world hoping to escape it. God of all grace, who has called us to his eternal glory in Christ, Restore, establish, strengthen, and support us as we seek to be your holy people committed to doing what is right in your eyes, no matter what suffering may come.